Redmond plays on, gets the shepherd. He's a good kick of the footy. Redmond! 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 Three in a row, and the Bombers are in front of the G. Archie Perkins, they know it's there! And the rapture spreads around Marvel Stadium! How good is this, Bomber fans? Welcome back to the Flight Plan, plotting Essendon's path back to glory and fame. My name is Jasper Chelopon. I'm joined as always by Todd Davey as we take a look uh, at the big mid-season review and uh, a look at the Dockers as well. Toddy, how are you going, mate? I'm doing really well after our mid-season buy for both the club and ourselves. Um, yeah, plenty to go through of what it was an awesome first half of the season and plenty to look forward to going ahead. Yeah, we did need to take a little week off. We couldn't work out our schedules. We're both very busy right now. You're getting up at 6.30 a.m. for U.S. editorial meetings. I'm getting through bloody law law school and full-time work, but we're getting there. Um, and we're ready to dive into the second half of the year. And hopefully the Dons are as well, because we're in a position right now that um, I don't think either of us expected at all come the start of the season. Definitely not, but it's the awesome place to be in. Yeah, to be a couple of games clear inside the eight coming up against a game in uh, Perth against Fremantle who, have, who haven't who have looked too great over the last uh, three weeks, especially last last round against GWS. They were atrocious. So we're going to have a better opportunity to get a win over Fremantle in Western Australia. So it comes at the perfect time for us. Yeah, and we, we had a really nice win over there last time about a month ago against the Eagles, I think. We're a really good chance on the weekend and it's an opportunity to really cement ourselves in the top eight and even make a top four charge. Before we get to that though, Toddy, a little bit of club news that broke last night. We're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon, but last night um, it was reported in the Herald Sun that Essen is looking at changing uh, their logo. And this, Toddy, this pissed me off on all fronts. Every single aspect of this pissed me off and not necessarily the, the news as it was reported. If you haven't heard, the club uh, is undertaking some low-key research into a change of the emblem, I think it is, Todd, mostly, um, if we're going to use the plane going forward um, and just refreshing our logo, which has been in use since 1996, 7, 8-ish, around then. So 23, 25-odd years. Um, amongst some other questions, what was posed was, you know, do we need the bomber plane in its current existence in the emblem? And um we saw the AFL do this similarly. They looked at updating their logo in 2019. I think that went on the back burner during COVID, but um, they were throwing around six-figure salaries and um, bloody looking at changing that for, for a large sum of money. I think this is a fairly common thing and a non-issue in of itself, Todd, but the way it was reported from the Herald Sun and the way a lot of members and fans of the club took it really bloody pissed me off. So it was reported by the Herald Sun, Todd, and my man, Jay Clark, um, and he he obviously doesn't write the headline, but it was the headline was for clicks. It was um, you know Essendon is looking at changing their uh, bomber plane amid wartime connotations, and it's not you know PC. It, it was wrote as if there is a decision over whether the bombers logo goes ahead, so be, because of the wartime roots. For mine, that is not what the club is doing at all. If you read the article, that is um, one of a number of questions that they're framing, and that's just their due diligence when they're having to um, look through what a new logo would look like for the club. But then for the fans' aspect of this, 
like fans saying that they won't support the club if the if it goes woke or aiming abuse of the club for a story that obviously twists the truth um is even more frustrating than the story in of itself like you you fell for the bait you are the target audience of the media that you tell everyone that you hate you're the reason a large chunk of journalism is conducted like that these days because your outrage is driving the subscriptions and the clicks Todd that is what really upset or not upset but what really pissed me off about the whole story last night pretty much echo everything you're saying it's not uncommon for clubs to update their logo Richmond updated their logo less than 10 or so years ago I think and they've gone on to have pretty good success since then it's it's pretty common pretty common like you said the Essence one's couldn't be over 30 years old, I don't think. I, I remember that sort of coming in around the time that we were pretty successful around the 2000 era. So, yeah, um, you put it succinctly and perfectly there. It was it was an article not not um, not lev- leveling the blame at Jay Clark here. It's definitely the editor's problem there. But, yeah, there's definitely an article ge- generated to raise the ire of Essendon fans and that woke brigade bullshit is just so tiring. It's absolutely not even close to what's going on. And, and let's not forget, we changed our logo last year for the 150th celebration. Yeah. But genuinely <laughs> changed the logo last year to not even include a plane. So anyone who's getting upset about that, just like, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about. And you're acting <laughs> like an absolute fool. And you were the target for that article. And you put it, you nailed it, hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what the kind of reaction they got going for them. And they got, Endless, endless, endless retweets and quote tweets and discourse just based on solely on the fact that they wanted people to get angry about it. They would have got a hell of a lot of subscriptions clicking on that article um, and it had the desired effect, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, we, we fell for the bait, a lot of our fans. Uh, Toddy, do you like the logo? Do you like the Don's logo as it is? No, not really. Like it's, um, I preferred the one that was before that, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I, I'm indifferent to it. I've never really care too much about logos i only care about if it's bad but it's not bad it's just just fine just is what it is i don't really have any strong feelings towards it i like that it's quite unique and i don't like the the mainstream appeal of these circle logos with the initials in them that we're seeing a lot in the epl especially but i think the the uniqueness of it is is appealing, but it also kind of looks like it was drawn by a child. I, I don't know if you're getting that vibe as well, but no, it, looks, yeah. it looks like it was drawn by a kid, to be honest, that plane. To be honest, though, I'm pre- I'm just happy that we don't have an Australian flag in it like Colombo's emblem because I think uh, that's absolutely ridiculous. So anything without an Australian weird. flags going forward is good for me. Speaking of outrage, were you just absolutely flabbergasted at the fact that there was no Essendon players in the team of the week this week for SEM? Yeah, I, I what the fuck incredible. was with that? I found that incredible. <laughs> They don't even know we're in like the form of our lives right now. Like, how and can not you not one include? Guy it? Got a got a got a guarantee. I can't believe it. Like, SCN <laughs> needs to have a good look at itself. Brad Johnson, pull your head in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shall we? Shall we get into some mid-season review stuff, Toddy? Please. Because this is this is a situation that neither of us thought we could possibly be in, and I am so happy to be reporting that we are eight and five coming out of the bye, sixth spot. A game clear in the eight, and we're only one game outside of the top four as well, with a winnable game to come off the bye against Fremantle. This is an extraordinary position to be in, Toddy. I predict us to finish around 12th to 14th area. So to be here right now with an opportunity to really make a, a dent in this finals campaign, um, I, I'm i so happy. Yeah, me too. And every year I go into the, the season being very optimistic, saying, oh, if everything goes our way, we can be in finals contention. But everything hasn't gone our way, and we're still well in finals contention. Again, clearly, like you said, we've had, uh, yeah, our best and fairest winner 
Peter Wright miss every game of the season by one. Um, Dylan Shield and Darcy Parrish have been in and out of the side. We miss Zach Merritt through suspension. Just a whole bunch of injuries, and we just keep persisting and keep playing a great brand of footy. And to be honest, I think outside of the game against Brisbane and the first quarter against Geelong, we've been pretty competitive across the board in every game we've been in. And that's just all we wanted to see throughout the season. And um, yeah, very winnable game, like you said. And then a, a pivotal game, I think it's going to dictate whether we make it or not, is a game against Adelaide at Marvel Stadium. Um, think a month from now i think it's going to be yeah, around, around 17 ish yeah yeah i think that's going to dictate who plays the finals who plays finals in 2023 because both of those teams i think will be fighting it out for that eighth spot and yeah it's i'm, I'm very thankful for the fact that we've got them under the roof rather than having to go to adelaide oval yeah well they've only won one game away from home and that was against hawthorne throughout this campaign so it's fantastic that we do get to play them at home it is um, a bit of a negative that we have to travel to WA twice. We often do um, go to WA. We don't play them too much uh, in Melbourne. But uh, I think all in all, the draw has been quite favourable. Um, over the middle kind of period of the year, we, we had a really tough run to start the year, and it's going to be tough towards the back end of the year as well. Um, but right now, we just got to make the most of the opposition we're coming up against, not being in great form, because that's been the case for the last three or four weeks. And um, that's been a huge positive in, in how the draws kind of unfolded. Uh, I think when you look at what's changed, and a lot of this is down to Brad Scott, because we have the same personnel. We didn't have any Boone off-season recruits. Um, and we kept the majority of our list, which was a positive. We, we missed Peter Wright until Carlton. And on the eve of the season when we lost him, I, I wrote us off. I thought I thought our season was over with no Peter Wright. We're now looking at, Brad Scott's game plan, which is defensively brilliant, I think, in transition and limiting shots on goal compared to the amount of inside 50s we do concede, which is a fair few, um, and then not turning it over in the defensive half are all really positive things that we didn't see under Ben Rutten, Todd. Yeah, exactly right. And yeah, that, that's a bit of a misconception, I think, with the amount of inside 50s we're giving away. I think it's, we're not allowing super high-quality entries, which is... You know, you could give away a whole bunch of inside 50s, but if they're not quality ones going inside, who cares? It's it's about the negating the ability to put put the opposition in dangerous places. And I think that's what we've done really well. And we've banded together with these kind of, not exactly misfits, but six defenders without, <laughs> without a really great one-on-one key defender. And yeah, they've put they've come together and, and just made this formidable back line that's uh, really going well. And, you know, 2024, hopefully you can get a free agent that slots straight in and um, even strengthen it further. But um, this season, you can't be upset about any of the endeavour or anything from all the Essen boys straight across the board. And yeah, I'm I'm excited about what's to come. And yeah, like you said, it, it doesn't come off the back of any high profile recruit or any significant personnel changes, getting anyone back. It's just through game plan and um, yeah, really committing to the cause. Yep, uh, I love how you've put that. And it is a bit of a misfit down back, but the back six or seven has genuinely been superb. And they're our, um, they've been our best line so far this year. When you include uh, the three guys who I think could make all Australian pushes in the back half of the year, and Andy McGrath and Jordan Ridley and, and Mason Redmond, combined with the growth of Brandon Zirk Thatcher, um, Jaden Laverty, when he's been in the park, has been better than he was last year when he won the reverse Coleman. Uh, Jake Kelly's had a much better season in the red and black. And then Dyson Heppel has been quite rejuvenated, I think, and has looked more assured of himself down back and has gained some confidence this year. So all six or seven of them that I named, I think, are going to be really integral going forward. 
The two I didn't name, Massimo D'Ambrosio and Nick Hind, I'm not sure are in our best seven, um, but Nick Hind right now is doing a really good job for us with no Jack Kelly. And um, we'll see what, what that looks like going forward as well, Todd. Yeah, I really like Nick Hind being in the team anyway, just because he, he generates a lot of run and has a bit of X factor off the back half. Not all, all of it's great. Sometimes he turns the ball over in really precarious positions and doesn't always take the best option. But, you know, someone who can just generate some X factor speed and, um, you know, eight times out of 10, he usually uses the ball pretty well. And just the ability to break a line too is a, is a vital part. So he's probably the guy that comes out when Jake Kelly is good to go to help shore up that back line. But that, that back six has been formidable and um, it's through cohesion and just playing continuity football all together. It's, it's just been great to see. And, you know, Andy McGraw is one I said at the start of the year would have an all Australian season. It's coming to fruition now. And it's awesome to see he's really justifying that pick one potential he's had since he came to the club. Yeah. He's been just so important for our back six to be, um, to not get, too flustered and to not allow runs of goals to be conceded. And that's something we've really improved from last year where we, we concede a couple in a row and then we lose the quarter immediately. And uh, right now we're able to stem momentum and his leadership down back has been instrumental for that. His one-on-one ability for his size, um, it's some of the best in the league and he is a joy to watch in full flight. When we're talking all Australians, Todd. I mentioned those three who I think will make a case in the back half of the year. I, I need to make the case for Zach Merritt, who has increased his goals per game, his tackles, his clearances, and his contested possessions per game, all from 2021 when he was All-Australian with Darcy Parish. I think he needs to be in this All-Australian team as it stands right now. He has been fantastic and leadership suits him to a tee. Yep, couldn't agree more on Zach Merritt. And I find it staggering that anyone wouldn't consider him um, to be amongst the yeah absolute elite midfielders in the game. And I, I yeah, I be really disappointed if he's not inside the um, All-Australian squad at the very least. He should be really in the team. Um, you know, he's he's ranked 19th for total score involvements in the game, 13th for disposals per game, um, 8th for inside 50s and 4th for uncontested possessions. And we know this guy, when he gets uncontested possessions and pressure off, he's hitting targets and he uses the ball beautifully. He's, he's one guy who should absolutely be in that All-Australian squad. And then one other guy who... He's been getting a lot of fanfare, but we haven't been speaking a lot about his all-Australian potential, but he has to be in the squad as of right now as Nick Martin. He's just, he just goes from strength to strength, and he was absolutely brilliant against Carlton, and they just had no answers for him. And, yeah, thank God he came to us through SPP. I'm going to say it, say it nearly every episode. It's genuinely staggering that he made it through there, but he is absolutely in the all-Australian squad as of right now, and I absolutely love this bloke and I'm sure I echo the sentiments of every single lesson fan when I say that. Yeah, I'm completely in love with him. Um, <laughs> highest rated wingman in the game by champion data. I know we don't take them too much into account, but it's worth something. He's fourth in the league for goal assists per game. And um, for mine, he's the best inside 50 kick in the competition. He hits a target or, you know, allow gives our forwards an opportunity to contest the ball and, and to take marks every single kick inside 50, regardless if he's under pressure or, or taking a, a free kick. Um, it's It's been superb to watch his growth this year. And I think we kind of spotted it early on, Todd, when we said he has some contested ability here. He's more, he's, he does more than just a wingman role or more than a high half forward role. And I think we need to get the ball into his hands as much as possible. And we've seen him kind of realize that himself. He now demands the ball whenever he's free and he, he never used to. He used to, do do a lot of running by the the ball carrier or creating space for others, but now nowadays he knows he's the man that 
Um, Brad Scott wants the ball in his hands and it's it's translated to to a remarkable season and something as a wingman we haven't seen in a long, long time for the Dons. It, you're talking about Nick Martin and Zach Merritt. Is there anyone else you think should be in the All-Australian team? And if not, what do you think what do you think Nick Martin's worth right now for the Dons? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question. Um, I don't think there's probably anyone else um, inside All-Australian contention. I'd love to get your thoughts on that before I get back to Nick Martin. Is there anyone that really stands out to you that you think would be in contention? I, yeah, I ask, I, it's, it's probably a testament to how great this team's playing as it holds that there is, there's only three to four really standout All-Australian contenders and across the board, which is great at um, contributing as an entire team. Yeah, no, I, I'd definitely make the case for Mason Redman. Um, and we could see Jake Stringer have a really special second half of the year, um, a la 2021, when he was the best player in the comp for five or six straight games. And his uh, mercurial ability to win games off his own boot, we haven't needed this year, which has been fantastic, but he still possesses that. And right now, splitting his time between the midfield and forward, where he's you know averaging 20 22 touches and kicking a goal a game, that is definitely on par with All-Australian selection. And if we finish in the top six or something, I think it would be very hard not to include Jake Stringer in that um, in that package. He, Pardon the pun. And he looks yep. awesome right now. Like, he looks lean. He looks fit. He's getting that continuity in his game, which is what we always want. And that's that was what brought about that 2021 stellar half, second half of the season where I think, and, you know, sure people are going to probably laugh at this. I think he was the best player in the competition by a mile in that second half of that season. He, I always make the case that he single-handedly dragged us into the finals. And I, anyone who watched the Essen pretty closely throughout that year would agree, I reckon. But back to what you were saying about Nick Martin and his worth. Um, I raised a question on Twitter a couple of weeks ago about whether or not you would trade Nick Martin for Essen's first round pick, which who knows could land anywhere between pick 10 and, and 17, 18, depending on what happens. <laughs> I think 17 <laughs> but, to 18 is about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I when I originally put that up, the question for me, I wanted to say that everyone was going to say I was biased, I thought, was to say Nick Martin straight for pick one. And I honestly would not do that. I, I rate him that highly. I think he's so good. And I think no matter how good an under-18 prospect um, looks at that level, and you, you will know this very well, Jasper, given your ESPN ties and they've employed you to dissect the draft is that no matter how good an 18 year old prospect looks the transition from under 18 footy to AFL is a huge step and not many make that transition to become an elite elite player in the game and which I think Nick Martin is right now so you know as as much as I'd love to have Harley Reid come straight in the Essen team and walk in and have a great career in the red and black I yeah I Nick Martin's the safer option and the more astute pick for mine right now yeah it's a really interesting hypothetical toddy because you're directly comparing him to harley reed this year who i think um is yeah probably the best draft prospect i've seen since matty Rao. um and that was nick martin's draft year and we we redid that draft a few weeks ago and he was going from about five to ten in that redraft and i think he could go even higher than that based on his last month of, of football as well I think if it was a regular old number one pick and there wasn't a clear favourite right now, you'd be taking Nick Martin over the chance of drafting a Cam Rayner instead of, you know, having Nick Martin. It's having a Paddy McCartan, although, you know, concussions did take away all of his kind of um, potential and 
a Tom Boyd, there's there's a lot of busts as number one picks, and you you want to have the sure thing in in what you in what you know, and and that is Nick Martin right now, and I think I'd probably keep him to be honest. Yeah, and I'd implore anyone who has the question about that to go and look through the AFL drafts of yesteryear and see how many of those pick ones are actually turned out to be the best player of the draft. You, you can't predict how a player is going to mature and um, embrace the AFL lifestyle. But we've got some breaking news right now, Jasper. So our president, David Byram, just released a statement about the uh, Essendon uh, research into the logo. So I'm just going to be succinct here and break it down for you. It's pretty much exactly as you said, uh, Essen's got a proud history, oldest clubs with a strong recognisable brand, um, but doing the research into it. It's a longer-term project, significant work to be completed. But the, the last line is what we all want to hear is we will always be called the Bombers. So that's from David Byram, the club president. So anyone who's been panicking about that, just shut the fuck up and <laughs> stop panicking so much. We're always going to be the Bombers and it's fine. And it, and stop talking about this woke bullshit because it's, it's a ridiculous, strange thing to say and... Yeah, it's uh, we're always going to be the bombers. That's the takeaway from that statement, and um, that's great to hear. Yep, absolutely. I love that from David Byram, and he's been on the front foot throughout his tenure so far, and that's fantastic to see, Toddy, because we've had presidents in the past absolutely not like that at all. Yep, exactly. So we were talking about Nick Martin just before I went back to David Byram about Nick Martin and their potential trade for pick one, but if, if I threw out some potential trade ideas to you. Can you give me an answer as to what you think their their worth is and whether or not you would do this trade? I'm very curious to hear what you've got to think. So first yeah, I'm, one I'm of the is. would be uh, Mason Rebin going back to South Australia. And there's obviously been a lot of talk about Miles Bergman coming back to Victoria. What do you think would, how would you facilitate that trade if it was going to happen? You know, I know Redmond's a free agent and there's, there's a lot of moving parts there, but what would you need from, in return from Port Adelaide to make that trade happen if Mason Redmond was to demand a trade to there? Um, and if Miles Bergen was interested in coming back here, Todd? And Yeah, so if a trade was to yeah. be facilitated for those two players, what would you want in return? Would you think Essendon would have to give anything in return with Mason Redmond or would you think something has to come back the other way? No, I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about Miles Bergman right now because he is a, a good player and I, I like watching him I think he's a really selfless player and he doesn't necessarily um get get as much of the football as Mason Redmond but defensively I think he is superb and he started last Friday night or Thursday night it was Toddy against Geelong he started that game on Tom Hawkins and you know I think he's only 186 centimeters so they obviously trust him a lot in defensive one-on-ones um and I think you know there's a lot of upside to him and he's only been in the system for three years so I think yeah, you know, he's going to be a really good player. But having said that, he's not on—he's not near Mason Redmond's level, and you, you tell that by just the disposals. He's gone backwards in disposals this year. He's averaging fourteen for for Port Adelaide, um, and he doesn't really affect uh, your your ability to go forward and, and to be really effective out of that half back line. So, I think you probably want a first round pick along with Miles Bergman um, coming back to us for Mason Redmond. And if you know Port Adelaide finish up winning the flag, you know you probably want more than pick 18 in addition to Miles Bergman for Mason Redmond. Yeah, completely agree with that. Um, yeah, I think that would probably be the, the asking price of Essendon. That'd be a realistic thing. Um, and speaking of another free agent, Darcy Parrish, what would be the pick range for Essendon to be comfortable with him walking away and getting a free agent compensation? Because I, I think it's safe to assume it would be a first round compensation and which means 
say we had pick five, we get pick six in the draft if Darcy Parish walked. Um, what position in the draft would you be comfortable with Darcy Parish walking out on Essendon and feel very comfortable with the compensation coming back? If we were a rebuilding side that didn't have the the cogs in place to to be able to compete, you know, in the next two to three years like we do right now, um, I would say I'd probably be happy with the top ten pick. But the list dynamic that we have, where we need the Zach Merritt, Darcy Parish, Mason Redmond types to be the senior heads when we are competing with the youngsters that we've already drafted, and there are a lot of them. We're a bottom four um, team in the league for experience. I think we desperately need to hold on to him and we have the cap space to do so. So I, I wouldn't accept anything less than probably a top three draft pick if we got that compensated and, and we won't. So I, I'm desperate to hold on to Darcy Parrish. Don't want to go too early on this one, but I've been reliably informed that uh, both him and Redmond will be signing on over the next um, month or so. So um, hopefully that comes to fruition. But uh, the, yeah, the source I was told uh, was very confident both of those guys staying on. So that's awesome news. Hopefully that comes about in the next you know one or two months of footy and you know we can keep building this list and strive towards playing consistent finals footy because you're exactly right at the start of the year maybe Darcy Parish walking out would have been the best thing for Essen to rebuild and retool but yeah the players have taken the next step in their development everyone's brought into the Brad Scott methodology game plan across the board at the club and you know why would Darcy Parish want to go to any other club right now um, Essen looks like a great spot. And, you know, if, if my mail is correct, both him and Redmond are going to be staying. So that's awesome news. That's fantastic, Tony. Good to hear. I want to go back to a, a discussion we had a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, we, we're a little bit more informed based on the last couple of weeks of footy they both had. But Harry Himmelberg and Ben McCoy, let's go straight back to that discussion. Has, have, has anything changed over the last couple of weeks that would convince you that we would want either of those guys? Yeah, that's really interesting, Todd. I don't, I don't think we necessarily need either of them i think we have on our list something that we can we can work with and and with brandon zirk thatcher with zach reed with lewis hayes who we drafted early in the second round last year um there's something to work with there but when you're when you're talking about those two i think in a good team they both look really good and they currently don't really play for great teams but I think they're both pretty bloody good footballers. And Himmelberg in particular, I think I'm higher on than you. And he's gone back in the last three weeks to play that defensive intercept role where I think he's best suited. And he didn't have a, a great game against Fremantle, but his team was fantastic and he didn't need to do too much. So when you're talking about a, a, a guy who can come in and fill a need immediately, which is what we need right now, but possibly not in the future, then I think both of them are really good options for us, but at the right price, I wouldn't be paying more than... 750k for either of them um and i don't think that would rule us into any race for them yeah i i agree on both counts by the way I, i'd love to get ben mckay only as and this sounds like a strange thing to say at the price tag but only as an insurance policy for zach reed and and uh hayes just by virtue of the fact hayes is so young and reed just can't get in the park but they're, they're our option a and b going forward i i rate both of them so highly and you know, hopefully Zach Reed can uh, shed the injury woes and go forward and get us placed in this team. Because I, I read a quote from Andy McGrath a couple of weeks ago saying that Zach Reed was doing some absolutely crazy stuff in the preseason that he thought he was going to be the, the next great star of the competition. So, um, yeah, with any luck, we get Zach Reed back fully fit and re- ready to go. But 
Let's move on to the game this week and Fremantle. Um, where's the game going to be won and lost against this team? Anyone who saw last week's game against GWS would go into this game pretty confident we could absolutely smash <laughs> them. They were listless and terrible, but they're obviously a much better side than what they displayed. And and, and again, a lot better at Optus Stadium than they would be at, at Giant Stadium. But, you know, where's the game going to be won and lost in this, this one? And where can we really get a hold of them in the contest? You're right, Toddy. That was um, their worst performance under J-Lo and their worst uh, loss margin <laughs> um, under, <laughs> under J-Lo as well. So I, I, I think where the Giants really succeeded and, and it's something that we've been... I still can't move past J-Lo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they got the wrong J-Lo coach in their club. <laughs> uh, they won clearances by 10. Um, and they won contested possessions by 24. And and that's something that we can actually look to exploit. They're going to have Sean Darcy come back, so that's going to rectify a lot of things in the middle for them. But we can we can do a lot of damage in there with Parrish and Merritt and Caldwell and Hobbs playing like they are right now. And I, I think that's actually some something that they're a bit overrated in. Andy Brayshaw is one of the worst center clearance players in the league for, for the amount of CBAs he actually attends. Um, and... I know he's a fantastic player outside of the contest, but in the contest is something that you can actually really exploit him with. And um, I think going forward, you look at Caleb Sarong as the the one player you need to target and the rest of them, I think you can really take advantage of in there. So hopefully um, that's where we can get on the upper hand immediately. And then the other one is our intercept marking when they only have Jai Amos and um, not much else going their way up, up front, maybe Cyclone Tracy, that's about it. So I think taking advantage of, of their lack of key forwards and their lack of ability to clear the ball out of congestion um, will be something that we can really take advantage of and, and to, to win the game from, off those merits. Yeah, completely agree. And I think we'll be able to exploit their lack of leg speed throughout the middle too. The guys you mentioned, like Andy Brayshaw, super athlete in terms of aerobic capacity, but he's not fast by any stretch of the imagination. Jaeger O'Meara, same for him. Good contested player, but he, he can really be exploited for his lack of pace. Sarong is the guy you mentioned, need to shut down him. I really rate him, but I think he is definitely a guy that can be shut down. You know, he's, he doesn't have the ability to like go forward and be a marking target. He's only 180 centimeters. He's um very good player, but I think he can be shut down. But you know, you're exactly right. I think they're completely overrated when it comes to contested ball winning in the middle. And yeah, it's I yeah, I, I really think that. Their lack of tools up forward is going to play right into our hands. Um, I think Zerk Thatcher would be a great matchup for Jai Amos, given his, um, he's only slight himself. And he, he finally, Zerk will come up against the guy he can outmuscle, which you'll be absolutely pumped about. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm not cocky going into this game, but I'm very confident we'll put a great performance in. And we absolutely owe him one after last year that I was going to bring this up at the start of the pod, but you and I went to that oh, game. It was, no. it was one of the I worst forgot. experiences I've had in my life at the game. We we left <laughs> the start of the fourth quarter and we're like, fuck this. This is the one of the worst games I've ever been to. So we owe him one big time. And we've kept the receipts from last year a lot this season and we've given it to teams that have um have uh owned us over the last couple of years, uh, Richmond and Carlton in particular. So we owe Fremantle big time and it'd be great to really put them out of finals contention, probably for probably for good with their poor percentage and like really entrench us in the eight. So it's a great opportunity this week. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself, Toddy. And they play a lot better at home. We know that, but um, they're right there for the picking, I think. And I, I, 
I think the the inclusion of Sean Darcy is the only thing we've got to worry about from from last week's performance. And the week before that, as well against Richmond, they didn't look crash hot either and lost that one in the wet. So the the opportunity there to to what would that make us? That would that would give us a nine and five record with a couple of um, very winnable games on the horizon after Port Adelaide. Uh, geez, it's it's such an opportunity to really cement ourselves in that top eight to knock on the door of top four with you know only seven eight games left to come um i i can't believe the the position that we could be in if we if we get this job done and and i think we should start this one favorites todd i I think we have the better side we're playing the better footy and um we've got a real opportunity to to make it hurt for for the dockers yeah and we're going to have a really good indication before we take to the field about how entrenched in the eight will be. Um, we'll, Geelong and Melbourne's on Thursday night. So um, we're currently two games clear of Geelong uh, in sixth spot. They're in 10th. Um, if they lose to Melbourne, it makes it really hard to get into that game. I know it's a GMHBA stadium, but it's, you know, Melbourne going to that favourites and justifiably so. And then Adelaide, who is in eighth position, uh, one game behind us with superior percentage. They play Collingwood at the MCG. So there's a huge opportunity here to, get clear in the eight and get get a couple of games clear of these both those teams, which would be amazing. And you know, with um even with um St Kilda facing Brisbane, that's no easy game for the Saints. They probably Brisbane should be winning that game. We can go beyond the Saints and like really knock on the door of the top four, which would be awesome. But you know, we can't look too far ahead. But what we've got to go in there with confidence. And I'm really optimistic about what Peter Wright can provide. He was so good against Carlton. And I think coming in and having the week off is just going to suit him perfectly. And I think he's going to come out firing. I don't think there's anyone on the free mental list that can go with him, mum. I have no fear at all about Alex Pierce and what he provides as a backman. And, you know, Luke Ryan's more of a, a ball distributor and not a great one-on-one defender. So I, I'm pretty confident that Peter Wright can really tear this game apart for us. Toddy, do you reckon there's anything in this stat that teams, the six teams that have played since coming off their bye, they're one and five in that game since coming off their bye. And the one win was Sydney against St Kilda in that absolute shit show on a Friday night two weeks ago. Um, and they were both coming off their bye, so one of them had to win. So they're effectively zero and four coming off their, their bye teams this year. It's interesting you say that, but, you know, it's always circumstantial. I mean, Geelong came up against Port Adelaide and, you know, they were, they were in that up until halftime then had a bunch of injuries, so I wouldn't read too much into that. Gold Coast, I never, never thought were a great team anyway, and they got absolutely destroyed by Carlton. Um you know, there's a couple of circumstantial ones there, but you know, I don't read too much. You know, I'd love to get your thoughts on it, but yeah, I've never really subscribed to too much of that that sort of thing. I, I reckon just got to play the game as it comes, and yeah, basically, Fremantle gave GWS a bye last week, so we're we're both basically played didn't play a game um, in round fourteen. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think there's merit to it, but. Like you say, you, you got to play who's in front of you and, and hopefully it gives them a refresh instead of just letting them switch off like uh, a few teams may have over that buy period because you know we've got a huge second half of the season coming and, and it might be the biggest in 20 years for the Dons, the, the way we're shaping up. And I don't say that lightly. I, I understand there's been some huge moments in the recent history of the Eston Football Club, but this is this might be the best opportunity we've had to, to win a final in 20 years. Yeah, and I think... You would you probably echo this thought. Um, I thought at halftime against Carlton, we really looked like we were hanging out for the bye and then we put them away in the third quarter. But 
I think we've been hanging out for this buy for a while. Give these young guys a chance to reset and come out firing for the second half of the year. So I think it's come at the perfect time. And yeah, I, hopefully um, Brad Scott's kept them up to task and we'll, hit, we'll absolutely come out firing and yeah, see how we go. But yeah, very optimistic this week against Fremantle. And we'll, yeah, um, hopefully we come away with a win. You beauty. Love your work, Toddy. Let's wrap it up here. Thank you so much for tuning into the Flight Plan Pod. You can follow us on Twitter at Flight Plan Pod and also our own Twitter handles as well. Um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you at the Dockers game on Saturday night.